This week on the Rockman Power Hour, we talk to the awesome singer, Kendra Morris. Welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour, a podcast where we talk to the most interesting people in the world of pop culture, music, video games, and everything in between. Uh, this is a really, really fun one because I met Kendra Morris um, about three years ago in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I was on tour with the Zarface guys, Ryan. I was doing merch for Zarface, and Kendra was opening up for them in New York Um in Brooklyn. And, uh, I was a fan. I knew of her music, but I knew her from Zarface because she had collaborated with them on many, many, many tracks over their career. And, um, I got to see her sing with her band. They were fucking awesome and actually did her merch that night. <laughs> and, um, at the end of the night, she gave me a copy of her album Banshee. She signed it to me and, um, we kind of stayed in touch on social media. And I've always followed her during the pandemic. She did some really, really rad karaoke stuff to keep people, um, you know, sane. And, uh, she's just, she's just a wonderful, wonderful person. So we got to catch up with her right before her, um, her West coast tour. And, um, and I'm really, really glad we got to do this, but before we go too far, Ryan, I got to tell you, we would not be able to do this without our friends at heartbeat hot sauce. Use our promo code Rockman20. Ryan's double got two in the holster right there. Um, check them out at heartbeathotsauce.com. Use our promo code Rockman20 and you'll get 20% off your entire order. And that works all the time. So make sure you check them out. And also thanks to our friends at Studio House Designs, always making us look fresh in rad threads like this Blair Witch shirt, like that Lost Boy shirt. And they're wonderful as well. So go check them out at studiohousedesigns.com. Okay, Ryan, Kendra Morris. You know how much I love Zarface, right? You know how much, so of a much. you know how much of a Zarface fan I am. Um, and I got to talk to Kendra and meet her when I was out with the Zarface guys. She is um, a, a powerhouse singer. Okay, she's an incredible soul singer. Um, she's just got something about her that is very unique. That is very. Um, uh, it, it's just like this energy that's just infectious. And she's one of these people that can really fucking sing man she can sing but she's an original she's a true original and um i was really really excited to have her on the podcast she had commented on something that we had done um i think it was the sheepdogs episode where they were talking about how um it's so important as a band it was one of the clips that we put up and i think it was something to do with um you know the importance of touring or something like that and she had just wrote to me like that was bang on. And I was like, man, why have we not had you on the podcast yet? And she's like, why? I don't know. You tell me. So we got to catch up with her uh, right before she came back to New York. She was in Florida. So um, we talked to her when she was on, I think she was visiting family in Tampa because she's originally from Florida. So we got to catch up with Kendra. I think people are going to like this conversation. It's super cool. It goes in all kinds of different directions. And um, I'm just glad we were able to finally have her on here. So without any further ado, Ryan, here's our conversation with Kendra Morris. All right. Really, really happy to have with us today on the show uh, someone who um, my dealings with have been very limited. Uh, we've met once in person, but I, uh, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of her work. I like the trajectory of her career, and I also just like her general attitude and her vibe. So I'm really, really happy that she accepted to come on today. Kendra Morris is joining us today on the Rockman Power Hour. Kendra, thank you for saying yes and for accepting. You, you right away Thanks. when I asked you, you're like, yeah, let's do this. So I was so happy. Oh my gosh. No, I felt the same way since meeting you at that Warsaw show. Like, I'm a fan of what you do. I'm a fan of your like encouragement to artists and the way you have just, you're just all encompassing and like a good, just a great guy. It was an easy. I was ready to say yes before you asked me. Wow. I'm, I appreciate it. And, um, you and I, you're mentioning that Warsaw show. We weren't at, we weren't in Poland together. We were in, uh, because a lot of people don't know about that, that venue. Um, yeah. but, it, but it's a legendary venue in, um, in Brooklyn. And, uh, you were 
the first part of uh, you were the opening act for Zarface that night. And I knew who you were because SO and 7L always spoke so highly about you. And like, you know, whenever there was anything that was singing on a Zarface record, there was a good chance that you were doing it. So I knew who you were and I knew of you. Um, and I, and I really, really liked the music. And I remember I was doing merch for them for those couple of dates and you, you came to the merch table and you're like, Hey, like, do you think you could like do this for me? And like, I'll, I'll give you a couple of bucks. I'm like, you don't have to give me anything. Like, I'm happy to do it for you. And I remember you gave me a record and I was really, really, um, really, really grateful for that. But I just, I was happy to get to see you play. And that was a nice surprise. I had no idea you were going to be on, on that show. So it was a great way to finally meet you. And then of course I did the deep dive after into the music. Um, and I just started listening all the time and it became like a Sunday record for us in our house. Um, we would listen all the time. My wife would be like, man, she could fucking sing. And I'm like, and then pandemic, you were doing these great, um, like kind of, you went live with your friend and you'd have different people sometimes and you just sing covers. And it was just like this karaoke thing. Uh huh. So, so tell me a bit about, um, obviously I want to talk about some of the projects you have now. I know you have some tours coming up and you know, you have a record that you put out, but I want to talk a little bit about your, your beginnings in music and how that all started. Um, did you know from a young age that you wanted to be a musician? Were you, were you influenced by other people around you? Was it, was it a family thing? Like, where did that all start? Yeah, I, it was kind of just something in me. Like my earliest memories are like ripping off pieces of paper and being like, can you give me money and you give me money and I'll perform for you. I've got the little voice and the big voice. I was just always like, it was always, if no one would listen, it was me putting my toys. I just loved to perform and also the language of songwriting was like in me like when I play with my toys it would be singing it would be them singing to each other it would be yeah. you know some sort of dramatic story you know even when the Barbies humped it was like <laughs> and so like that was an important thing and my parents are musicians like they they've always been in bands I was always watching them you know watching them do shows or you know they'd be out for the night and be doing a show and right. then they were even doing performing in prisons here in florida you know they were part of like a prison ministry and like it's just been i've seen how powerful music can be and it's just always been something that i've been like that's my language and like for me also like i create i believe in like creating in general like the broad spectrum of creativity and like being an artist, like, I think we all have it in us and we all tap into it in different ways. Right. I think it's just that for me, music was the one that I really connected with first and foremost. And it's, I've been able to use it as a tool into all the worlds of creating since then. Um, and it's just grown. I mean, I went to an arts high school and I started in musical theater, but it, that, that didn't, I was really bad at memorizing stuff and I okay. didn't like being the different I I had a hard time emulating someone else's life like it was harder for me to be a different character I just wanted to be the character of me like what are right. these like aspects of me um and so I kind of after high school I was like well I don't want to do musical theater I want to I want to sing in bands and so like I went to USF here in Tampa but I dropped out within like the first two semesters I like found a bit the campus band to sing with I was like going to open mics I was singing at all the parties with them you name it I was anywhere but in class like that anywhere I flunked college I still have dreams of like being in those classes failing all the tests Ugh, it, it, I'm not a college graduate it's amazing how you know even even when we go on and we have any kind of success with what we do it's those quote unquote failures from our past that seem to come and haunt us, no matter how irrelevant they are now. Uh, it, it, for me, it's the same kind of thing. I, I went to theater school and I, I kind of dropped out after, well, two years, but they made me, it was a three-year program. They made me repeat my first year because I said I didn't retain enough because I was doing too much drugs. Um, <laughs> and I remember at the time I was so upset, but I did it. And and then I quit. You know, I I, I did, I basically redid it to, to, to be on the, you know, on the path to finish the three years. It did yeah. a much better job the second time around. And then I said, I quit like the stupidest things, but it still bothers me, even though I went on to do a bunch of other shit that a lot of most, you know, the majority of the people in that class didn't, um, it still bothers me that I wasn't able to do that. So I get, I get where you're coming from. Um, it, yeah. and it's funny how these things, but I think there's always that little kid in us 
that that's always there. And immediately when we get to a point in our life where, you know, or a situation in our life where we might be a little insecure or we might be fearful of something, we immediately go back to that place, you know, Mm -hmm. that insecure place where we're unsure of ourselves. And especially for artists, you know, like you mentioned, you know, from the youngest age, you can remember wanting to perform in exchange for stuff. And, and it's that there's that little part of an artist that always wants to be accepted. And I don't know if it's a, if it's an ingrained insecurity or what it is, but it's, it's funny that you say that, that, you know, (laughs) not being in class and you still think of that, um, even though Mm. it probably doesn't even matter at this point in your life. I remember at one point I had gotten a job at a law office when I was just trying to like make ends meet. I had some entertainment lawyers here in Tampa and they were like, here, do you want to work as our, like, you can be the office girl. And they fired me after they didn't fire me, but yeah, they pretty much fired me after like a week because they, I didn't know, like, I didn't, I didn't know how to fit into that conformity. They were like, yeah, I don't think this is, you know what, go keep doing what you're, because I, I didn't know how to just like dress not like I only know how to dress to express myself I've never been able to wear a uniform or it's just I would like try to put leg warmers on my legs I was always trying to do like I just could not I just always had a hard time fitting in a box even as an artist yeah I don't like doing what other people you know like I see everyone doing like TikTok a certain way and I'm like I don't want to do that it's corny like no like and it's just everybody's in line and it drives me insane and makes me want to run the other way, you know? I, I totally get it. And you are an original. I mean, you can tell you're you're not an easy artist to to um to label or to or to put in a category because you do you are very eclectic and you're in your and a lot, I mean, like you could listen to and your delivery can seem like it's from another time, but then you listen to your lyrics and it's current. So it's funny how um you're not someone that's easy. You can't just put your thumb on you and go, well, that's what she is. You know, and that's where I'm going to keep yeah. it. it. And you can tell that you, I don't know if it's, I guess it is a um, something that you actually maybe subconsciously actively try to not be. And now you're explaining that it makes sense because you really truly are an original artist. Like you don't seem like oh, you're, you. yeah. And, and that's one of the things I loved about you is like your voice sounded like it was from another time. Your delivery sounded like you weren't at all thinking about what was going on. You know, you weren't just doing runs like some people do now. You, you really sing from a different era like and you could um, I, I would imagine some of your inf- influences are not only eclectic but i would imagine some of them might be a little older um like when i listen to you i hear you know i hear a lot of like you know 50s 60s like to me that's yeah. like that, that you sound like someone but at the same time i'm sure you know you listen to stuff that's that's from the 80s you know so it's um in terms of your actual musical influence when you started writing music and you started performing um, as a lead singer and then as a, as a solo artist, where did some of those influences come from? I mean, that's the whole thing is I've never really listened to mainstream pop radio, right. like little bits here and there in the nineties. I've liked that Casey and Jojo song. There was little like, <laughs> as in now I still listen to some stuff and I go, Oh, sure. I can appreciate this artist. I can appreciate this song. But I mean, my first records that I got into was like, I had this cassette tape <laughs> called Cruising Classics. I don't know where. I swear it fell down from heaven or something on me. It was this cassette tape and it was a compilation. It had Buddy Holly on it. Yeah. It had, um, I think it had the Shirelles and the Marvelettes on it. It had, uh, I want to say it had the Beach Boys. It had like a bunch of, it was just like, like a bunch of like low rider soul and like old rock and roll. And I would sit in my room and play it on repeat. That is all I listened to. And then I, I was like, this stuff makes me feel some, like, I really like this. Like all my little friends were like, what the heck, you know? And then after that tape, I found the oldie station here, which doesn't exist anymore. It was called U92. And it was only like sixties and seven, fifties, sixties, seventies. And like that stuff, I was just, I just remember that's what I connected to. My parents had a great record collection too of like Tower of Power, War, Jackson 5, Fog Hat. Like they used to go to Jamaica when I was little and they came back with some really cool obscure records. Like that's the stuff that like I connected with Right. between like hearing them always playing music with their friends in the other room and then those records. I 
think that 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 stuff like like sunk its claws into me because once I like finding that at such a young age, I couldn't just listen to you know like some of the stuff on the radio. Although now we look back at the stuff that was pop music on the radio when I was a kid is now an oldie in so many ways and. Yeah. I can appreciate some yeah. of that stuff now too. I, I, same. I, I'll look back on, like I went to see Madonna. Um, she was in yeah, Montreal. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, she was in Montreal like yeah, maybe a month ago, probably less. And it was incredible. And I remember when I was a kid, I liked Madonna, but it wasn't the kind of thing that I would be screaming from the rooftops to my friends. Yeah. And, you know, like, I love Madonna. Like, it was more like I kind of respected her from afar. It wasn't cool to like Madonna, but I always, I respected her. And then as every decade would progress. Like when she came, you know, when she came back in the nineties, not that she ever went away, but there was a, you know, when she was putting out like, you know, uh, bedtime stories and, and, um, and Ray of light and those records, I really had an appreciation for her. Cause I'm like, man, she's in George. She's made it out of the eighties. She's in the nineties. She's in two thousands. You know, she's still pissing people off, but still carrying the flag for so many people. And there's mm-hmm. just such a respect. But then when I heard the songs, you know, she goes back, you know, when she, she comes out and she has her guitar and she plays burning up. And I'm like, man, like she rocked, you know? And, and there's a reason why, like you can't, you can dismiss Madonna for this character that she's become. Um, but at the base of it, she's a really good songwriter, like a really good songwriter. You, you can't take away someone's pure artistry. It doesn't matter like what all the, you know, we, we all change. That's part of life. Like it's such a hard time to be in right now. Everybody's so, hard on everybody for living their life like just for for making mistakes and it's like everything's in front of people now too madonna is she's just as much human as all of us and she's getting like a lot of like blowback right now because of like some of, of what she's choosing how she's choosing to express herself but she's always choosing chosen to express herself one way or another that's madonna like and and unapologetically yeah and it's like and like yeah i've been listening like those songs of hers her early songs are so burning up borderline like those are great songs such a great you take away even the like you know a great song when you can strip down all the production yeah and just it's a voice and a guitar or a voice and a piano a good song like a Madonna, like Madonna burning up, you could a metal band could play that, yeah, and kill it. Yeah, a country band could play that, yeah, and kill it. Like I, that's why I love covers. That's why I love doing covers and flipping yeah. them too, because a good song is a good song and it's timeless. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's funny, you know, I uh, there's another band. You know, there's so many bands that were in that period of the '80s where I was so into, you know new wave and, and, um, and, and hip hop and like early eighties hip hop. I was into hip hop and I was into, you know, new order and, and the Smiths and echo and the bunny men and all that stuff. So there was so much pop music that was going on that I just, uh, I watched the documentary on, um, the greatest night in pop music, the one where they, where they wrote, we are the world. It's on Netflix. Oh, now. Yeah. It's incredible because you look at who they assembled for that night to record that song. And you realize like, you know, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, if I would have heard it one more time in 1985 or 86, I would have shot myself in the head. But when I go back now and listen to that record from beginning to, you know, from front to back, it's a brilliant record. There's a reason why that record was as popular, but it just, there was oversaturation. So you can imagine artists now, how quick that burn time can happen with everything that's, artists can, can come and go so fast. If we're burning out back then when we weren't overexposed, we're super overexposed now. Well, yeah. And also we're all like short. We have such a short attention span. Yeah, totally. Totally. So for you as an artist, what do you do to combat that? Um, And how do you, how do you fight against that? I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, you try to run the other way from TikTok. I'm with you on that. Like I have a TikTok page. I use it for the podcast. My wife helps me with it because I just don't, I don't get I don't get the mechanism of it. It just, it doesn't make sense. Like I can do stuff on Instagram, but if I go on, on TikTok, I just don't understand the commands. I don't understand any of it. I refuse. Well, I refuse to like, I have a TikTok now too, but Mm. I refuse to do things to become 
popular for something that I'm not into. I'm not right. going to do a makeup tutorial. I've <laughs> never done a makeup tutorial. I, I put on my own makeup. I don't, I like to watch them, but I'm not going to do that. So that this is the thing that I feel like bad for artists that get big on TikTok, TikTok doing some, the same thing over and over. Yeah. Then you have no room. You have all these people that only want to see you do that thing over and over. Like there's this one girl on TikTok. She's faint. Like she's, I think she's really funny. She seems really cool. And she's famous for face tapes. She puts tape on her face and they call her the, the biggest catfish in the world because she can put on these face tapes that pull her face back. And she looks, her name's Chloe something. She looks really pretty. And then when she doesn't have the face tapes on, it shows that she's actually like older than she really is. And all I went on her page. Cause at first I was like, this is so interesting. And then I was right. like, this is depressing because all she can do. So people see her posts is post another face tape video. And I'm like, there's more to this woman than face tapes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what makes me furious about this platform and these platforms that people are like, I want to be famous. I want to be famous. I'm going to do this thing over and over. But I'm like, is that what you want? Like, it, like also define what is making it and what is fame for you? Because a lot of people are confusing fame with love. Yeah. And that's like, it's really, it's like a whole thing. Like, because fame is not love, but people are, have started like attention. I'm like hugging myself as it is, but like attention is something that everybody's like hungry for because it's, you know, feeding that, that hole yeah. that we all have. Right. And it's just, but I guess, sorry, I'm going on a tangent because I feel so passionate about like how I'm like, I, I'll use TikTok, but I'm going to put the things that I would like people to know me for. I put my animation clips up there. Right. I put up sometimes I'll do me flipping a cover or something, but I refuse to put up something that feels corny and not me. Sure. I agree. I agree. And it's and it's it's funny how everyone will give you advice on what you should put. But unfortunately, we have to talk in these terms now because this is just the reality of where we are, especially as artists or anybody that's trying to peddle anything because we are peddling mm -hmm. our wares. I mean, that's it's just part of it. Um, but I do have this thing about if someone comes and sees my feed, I want them to to, to feel that there's an authenticity there. If so, you know, someone's not going to come to me on my page looking for political views. They're not going to come looking for, um, they're going to be, you know, you're going to, you're going to come, you're going to see stuff about music. You're going to see stuff about pop culture. Um, I'm going to probably talk about Blu-rays that I bought and sobriety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or maybe like the odd picture of my dog or something or how much I love my wife. Like these are the things you're going to see when you come on my page. But there's other people that will, you can tell that they're just trying to do something to get people to look at them. And I find that's the saddest thing about social media is that the, the, the things I love about it also can be the things that I hate about it. Yeah. Um, but what I do love about it is that it allows you to connect with people that are interesting and actually form, you know, meaningful friendships, meaningful bonds, which I've done so many times through this platform, through, through all these platforms. Totally. It, it, but it's, it, but it's funny when you see, people that aren't necessarily um, stable or happy with themselves, how they can fall into the pitfalls of these platforms. And if they get a hit with something, like you're saying, the face tape lady, they'll, they'll, they'll run with it, but it's empty. And, and at one point, like nobody wants to hear from them anymore. Do you remember the guy who, who was, who was, um, he was uh, skateboarding with the ocean spray to the food. Yeah. Of so yeah. that, that guy had, you know, when he was doing that, everybody thought it was like, it was, everyone was, it was like, it became a thing where people were like, would mimic it. He'd do different videos and all that, but it was just this great vibe of him, you know, going to that, you know, cruising along on a longboard to that song, drinking ocean spray. But the saddest thing is that no one cares about that guy anymore. Yeah. And I remember trying to get him on the podcast and he was too busy. And I was like, I really want to talk about the, talk to this guy about this whole phenomenon. But I knew that, in six months, no one was going to care. And and that's the, the reality of this. Like we're talking about the fast burn that happens. It happens mm -hmm. so fast now. So you have to have something that's authentic if you really want to make a meaningful connection. And yeah, I think that's the one thing about you is that you're one of these artists that you watch and you're like, she's the, she's a real one. Do you know what I mean? 
Like you can tell oh, that you're thanks. you're doing stuff and that you're going to continue to make music because you need to make music and it's not it's not a trend for you. It's a way of life. Yeah, for me, I'm just like I'm grateful that I just I've I've just I feel like I've just really like hit this groove where I'm just so happy about the projects I've chosen to be a part of and the pro- projects that have like come my way. I'm so proud of like just be like following my gut and like. I've been at this for a long time and so many times like I'll have a show you know my shows aren't like there's not a thousand people at my shows but I do have a really solid like I love my fan base like like and I you know I'll see the same people pop up at shows and more and more each time and I've been watching it really grow and every once in a while I'll get someone a show going man, I've been following you. Why aren't you bigger yet? And I'm like, you know what though? Like my, I feel like in my gut that the beauty of my career is going to be the longevity of it because the longer like that you build roots in anything in life in anything, if you're a carpenter, you know, building, like you, you make your life building houses or surfboards you know, your surfboards are only going to get that much better. Your houses are only, it, they're going to be that much stronger and last that much longer. So I feel like as my career has grown, I feel like it's not going to be, even if if stuff starts to shoot even in a quicker upward trajectory, it's never going to just come crashing down because I've spent all my time building this like nice, yeah. you know, like hill to climb up that. And that's the kind of career of all like that's for me, that's when my when I dropped out of college and I had to say and I said to my parents, I was like, I'm not I'm wasting money. I don't want to go back. And my my parents sat me down. They're like, I was like, I just just want to make it music. And they made me define it. They're like, what is making it? And I had to define it that day. And I said, well, I want to I want to make a living with my art. I want to like make a living and like share my art with the world but it was never oh I want to win every award in a week and like blah 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 I want people to like kiss my feet it was never and like I had if I look back at myself when I had that conversation I have made it I do make a you know it's not I'm not I'm no like I struggle but I am doing what I love every day like I that's that, it. You that's, know, that's if you're doing that, you're winning already, you know, and I, but yeah. I think, but it, it's like, you're, you know, it's actually a really, really interesting take on it that your parents made you say, define what success is and that, what, what do you want from it? And, and, you know, it's all, to me, it's all like intention. So important, you know, like what's your intention, what's your, what's your intention when you do something. And I think people's intentions um, have to be authentic and, and your whole the whole idea of you building something that there's longevity to it. I'm I'm all about playing a long game with everything. You know, like having like investing in in relationships, investing in in artists that you follow, investing in um, your own art. It's important that you really really take the time to develop and realize like you're going to get better. Um, but you're but also not being scared to put something out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's so many artists that I know that I came up with that were incredible at what they did, but never wanted to actually take the jump and try a little bit harder, like move somewhere else for your art, sacrifice a little bit, maybe sacrifice some comforts to go do what you need to do. And people that were way more talented than me that never ended up doing anything. And yet I would put out a piece of art, you know, maybe a record in 1996 that I listen back to now. And I'm like, Oh my God, what was I thinking? But I did it. And there are people that like it. So that's a, that's another thing that artists go through is that there comes a point where, and I don't know, maybe you could speak to this because I, I found there came a point where I stopped looking back on some of that stuff with the same ugh that I used to. More like that was who I was at the time and I'm proud that I made that and I had the guts to go and do that. Do you feel that way when you look back on some of your past stuff? Is there, there must be a part of you that still goes, mm, I could have recorded that better. Or, yeah, you know, a little bit of both. Because, yeah, like, that's been my my rule, too, has always been, like, just put it out. Like, I had an, I found an eight track in the East Village. Like, I had moved to New York with a band, and we broke up, like, within the first year. We totally combusted the story, like, for all the reasons. Living in a little apartment, one of us was partying a little too hard, you know, all the different things. Yeah. No names mentioned. 
But after the band broke up, I was like, I'm going to just keep doing. So I got this little eight track. And my thing was that I was just, I would make songs in my, my room, my little closet space. And I would just put them online. I would make songs to the point where I was like, this song feels really special and good to me. It wasn't perfect. Yeah. I knew it was far from perfect. It was on my little eight track. I didn't know half of anything, but I kept putting them out there. And like, I started like, those were the things that I think are the reason that I'm sitting here right now was because I was just putting that stuff out there. I was then going and like burning CDs, handing them out at the bar I worked at. I would go play the open mics, the little shows and people would like hear these. And I remember MTV had this show. I forgot what the show was. It was one of their early reality shows. It wasn't, it was not um, real world. It was another show about people on the island. I don't remember, but someone reached out to me from MTV and they licensed one of my eight track songs. Wow. I think, I don't remember. I think I made a little bit of money from it, but a ton of people heard the song this. And that was like, and I remember being like that telling me like, I'm doing something right to just be putting this out here. And just like, if I hadn't have put those crap, like those little eight track songs up on my space, yeah. I would not have even had the opportunity. And I feel like that stink, that's how I got my foot in the door with meeting someone at ASCAP who invited me to a writer's work. Like it was all little things that wound up leading me then to signing with Wax Poetics Records, to working with DJ Premier, to from Wax Poetics going to like all the things. Like the reason I'm on Coal Mine Records now is because Terry had heard one of the songs I did with Wax, like all the little things but for all i know maybe if i hadn't have been putting that stuff up on myspace from that a track and that guy who licensed the song to mtv who was just a guy on my myspace page like you just never know you You've never gotta know. put the crap out there you gotta you gotta make the moves and and no you know you never know what can be you know what can be perceived as as um as interesting to somebody and when it is it's like wow this is really crazy um yeah. and, and and when it works out it's like but it's funny how you can see those forks in the road along somebody's career you know especially when you look back on it like you say you know this mm -hmm. led to this this led to this um you mentioned dj premier um and i want to touch a little bit about um your involvement with Zarface and how that happened because you know, the, the, the crazy thing about Zarface is that Zarface fans are very, very intense, as you know, um, and they are into every aspect of Zarface. So they want to know everything because there's this whole, you know, obviously with the character and then, the, you know, the players that are involved, but there's an extended universe mm -hmm. apart from the, you know, the three major players four with Lemur Supreme. There's an extended universe where people are really interested about the other people that contributed. So tell me about how you started out with Zarface. That all was from, through Jeremy Page. Right. Who I've been, I had been, I created a number of records with him. Um, Banshee, Mockingbird. Yeah. Banshee. Babble and Nine Lives were all Jeremy. Jeremy, that's, yeah, that's, that's my one. first, <laughs> that's my Wax Poetics record. Right. So that was my first official album. And I had met Jeremy. I used to work in a dive bar in the East Village. And this guy, God forbid, who is also part of the extended Zarface family, he used to come in there and write. And he was so cool. And I remember, and he was like old friends with 7L and ASO, SO2 at the time. He would come in and I was like, what are you writing? And he's like, oh, you know, I make music. And I heard his music that he did with Jeremy. And I was like, how do you get it to sound like that? I had never heard like, and he's like, I have a producer. And I was like, I need one of these producers, you know? <laughs> so I connected with Jeremy. Jeremy and I started making records together. Um, right. And at one point, Jeremy started, he had known uh, the Zarface guys from Boston from right. years ago. And Jeremy invited me to uh, said, Hey, do you want to try to, sing a couple of these you know i I think i had met 7l i had met them maybe one of the times in boston but he just said hey do you want to try to sing on uh try to sing this hook you right. know and i love like because i've just i love like listening i love harmony like i grew up har doing harmonies i love listening to stuff and be like how did 
somebody make this song sound like this? Can I try to see, you know, like, so I started doing a couple here and there for them. And then it just sort of spiraled and like more and more seven L would be like, Hey, can Kendra sing on this? And then I think during um, COVID he had reached out with a track and I was like, can I, let me write to that, you know? And that was um, Zarwin's theory. Right. That one was one. I wrote that like sitting at my desk during COVID. Like I remember like looking out my window and like coming up with that hook right there. So it's all just been kind of kismet, like through Jeremy, Jeremy becoming the Zarkies and just um, continued since then. And now, you know, George and I are in, in contact. I'm always like, Hey, let's do more. Or, George will send me something sometimes. And now it's easier because I can record at home as well. And you've, you, cause you've been on a lot of the recordings. Yeah. I mean, you've been a on a lot that you wouldn't even know, I think is, is me. So, so I want to ask you, tell me uh, what's, because I know, I mean, I was lucky enough to, to be on, um, on one of the records as well. And, and there was one spot when they asked my, they, they needed somebody to do something in French and my wife's francophone. So send, sends me this things like, can you, get somebody to do this in French because I know you're from Montreal and you might have, um, you know, someone that you can, that, 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 you know, you can get to do this thing in French. So I went to my wife who was working at her computer and I'm like literally standing over her with my iPhone. I'm like, can you just do this in French? And so she looks at the line. She's like, okay, first of all, that's translated really, really badly. <laughs> so, and she's a translator. So she's like, all right, let me just translate that. Right. And then she did it. And the crazy thing is, she had no idea that she was on a record with doom, you know? Yeah. And I said to her, I go like, my, I was like, I don't fucking care. You put this thing in front of me and you just asked me to do it. And I did it. I just found it so funny that she was immortalized in that universe and she didn't even yeah. know. Um, but it was just, a, it was, it was peculiar when you think about it, because what she did was so, you know, disjointed, but then when it was all put together, it was amazing. So when you get asked to do things, um, cause you were mentioning, some of the things that you've done, you wouldn't even know it's you. Um, what's been the strangest thing that they've sent you and asked you to do? Like, is it literally a thing that you do on your phone or we record it at home? Like, I think one of the ones was, I feel like I'm trying to think of which song there was one where sometimes I'll think of a voice in my head and I'll be like, how do do this in my granny voice? What the heck? <laughs> I can't remember which sample it was, but also there was, I think the one, um, where I'm doing the opera was really fun because that one was just, I think that one's in, um, it's the one where I'm just doing opera runs. And right. that one was so fun because I just had, that one was just like, they just let me roll on a track. I think I was like, Jeremy, just let me give seven out a bunch of random stuff. And I was like, Oh, you know, and did this whole thing. And then he took that and that's the whole song underneath it is, just me doing these weird opera riffs. And I like that because I didn't even know I could do that. Right. And I, I just, I was just having so much fun just going off. Jeremy had all this, I love reverb. So I, he cranked up the reverb and I was like, just keep it going. You know, Appro like I imagine you get approached like Zarface fans put two and two together and they'll reach out to you. Um, you must realize that you're part of a special project. It feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like people will come to my shows and sometimes they'll have the Zarface records or they'll be like, man, like I heard about you through this. It does. It feels, re it feels really great. Like it does. It just, it, it, it feels good because I really like all those guys so much too. They they're really just are so great guys. <laughs> yeah. And they're just so inspiring. Like I'm like, I want, I, they get it too. That with art, there is no boundaries. I was just saying this today with art and music and creativity. There are no lines. There's no boundaries. You don't have to put it in a box. The world is your oyster as a yeah. as a creative. And I believe everyone in the world is creative. It's just how you it scratch the itch and how you tap into it because you got to work it, you know. Yeah. No, definitely. It's, but like they are a great example of like shooting for the stars and going beyond like they created an entire universe of you know hip-hop and art and visual and storytelling i yeah. mean those things that they're telling stories about it's incredible there's a song about a burrito i know, I know. <laughs> and it's you know it's really cool because when i met i met those guys 
it's actually been it's probably about four years ago i met them in montreal um they ended up playing um there's a tattoo parlor here tattoo shop that ended up bringing Zarface in for their, I think it was like 20th anniversary or something. And, um, and it was super cool because they were supposed to play in New York and I had tickets for that January show and it got canceled. And they ended up coming a couple weeks later to Montreal, which was just this fortunate, you know, fortuitous thing. And I'd been talking to those guys so much online that, um, I was really, really excited when I finally got to meet them and they were just the best guys. And I remember I brought them uh, like a literal case of Montreal bagels um, because I had a really good connection at a Montreal bagel. Cause if you, I know New York bagels are great, but Montreal bagels are just, they, they're just different. There's a big battle <laughs> between the two. So I ended up getting Seamus, a, well, so a, a, this big, big box of bagels. And I remember we were chatting and he, we were talking about DMC cause I've been friends with Daryl for years and I've collaborated with Daryl. And, um, and I remember saying to him, Hey man, like I should really put you in touch with Daryl. And he's like, you know him? I'll go, yeah, I know him. And and he would love what you do because he's into comic books and he loves collaborating with people. And I ended up putting him together with DMC and DMC was on a record with them. Oh, and I, and I remember, you know, he met, he called me and he's like, dude, you have no idea how important that is that you made that happen. And then when we did that show, when I, when I, when I was at the show that you did, um, MC Surge came and he jumped up on stage with them. Yeah, and I, I remember that. And I've been friends with Search for a while. And Search came because I was I was going to be in New York. And he said, I'm going to come see you in New York. And I said, well, you know, these guys probably fucking like third base. And they'd probably be really excited if you jumped up on stage with them. And he did. And I remember same thing. Seamus was like, man, like this really meant a lot to me. And it was just nice to, to have that moment where you could give back to somebody. And because yeah. those guys are so cool with people. I see how they are. I see how they talk to people online. I see how they are with their fans when they interact with them and they just get it. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I understand why we, it'd be exciting to be a part of a project like that. And Lamour Supreme was, I, you know, I met Lamour that night as well. And just, it's just such a great little collective, you know? Yeah. I see Lamour in my neighborhood a lot. I know, <laughs> I know the haunts that he hangs out. Yeah. At, well, I'm, I'm Ron, Ron English and I are good friends and I do music with Ron English. So, um, yeah. Ron and Lamour are friends. So it's just funny how this little world just, it's, it's, it's cool when you see cool people that get to meet each other and, and there's just real cool energy between people. So it's, it's nice to see. Um, now you, you touched on, you said DJ premier, you, you know, we talked a bit about Zarface last night, killer Mike, won a Grammy for, well, won three Grammys, <laughs> like yeah. literally killed it. And the guy that produced that record, you told me produced your new album. Yeah. Little Shalimar, uh, Torbert Shorts. He's one of the producers on uh, Mike. He was wrapping up that record while he was doing my record. And yeah, I sent him up when I saw the thing last night, I was like, are you, congratulations. Are you in LA? He's like, yeah. And I was, yeah, that's why I was excited. Like that, that's about, as fresh news like now i can say my last record was, was with a grammy award-winning producer <laughs> yeah so that and i'm like really i'm really excited about this last word i i love all my records for different reasons this one is is this is especially special to me in some ways because like as you were saying it's important it's so important to push yourself to do things you don't want to do, to make yes. sacrifices, to do the stuff that scares you. That's the only way you will like advance as a human, as an artist, as a like you have to like I think about this all the time, like about being a baby. Like the only reason we learn how to walk is because we had to like go through some painful things. Like the first steps aren't easy. Like when you're a baby and you're growing if we all like stayed comfy in our cribs, we would still be babies right now. We'd be giant human babies. Right. But you have to take those first steps. And that's like metaphor for your entire life. I, at least like, I believe that for my life. And so like that record was, you know, I had worked with, I love Jeremy Page, who I worked on many records with, yeah. but I knew that to continue in the career that I want, which is to just keep growing and trying new things. Like I knew that I needed to not work with him. Like right. I needed, and like that, it was like a painful thing. It was painful to say, Hey, I want to do this record with someone else. I want to 
build my band a little different. I want to take things under my control. It was really scary. I mean, even in my yeah. band now, it's if you know when we come up to can we're we're touring a lot, so we will come up to Canada for sure. But I mean, even I play guitar in my band now. I've always been a guitarist, and no one knew that. Wow, I play I, I guitar. No, I, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, and now like I'm, you know, I play guitar. I have a lead guitarist, but I'm on rhythm. Like these were all things that when I when I made these changes, they were terrifying for me to say out loud. I'm going to, cause I already had a fan base. So to suddenly be like, I'm going to play guitar in front of this fan base. Like that's scary. Cause yeah, probably I would suck at first. And I did yeah. my first shows playing guitar in with the band with like the guys that play with me are so good. Yeah. And then there's me, you know, who hadn't <laughs> really played like really played in years just to write, you know, I knew like we had a whole, sh we had four, show tour on the west coast this was just this last spring not even a year ago i remember the first show was at moe's alley in santa cruz and i said to my guys i was like this is gonna suck i'm gonna <laughs> like this is gonna suck but it has to it's gonna be special and i even told the audience this is my first show playing guitar at in my band it's going to be pretty rough, but it's rough just for you. It's like your special show. <laughs> I was super sucky. It was, you know, like it did suck, you know, but other pe people will say that it didn't to me because now I'm really good when I play though. Right. Like now I get compliments on the way I play. I'm not perfect. I'm not, I, I play how I want to play though. The way right. that I see envision myself as the leader of my band, but I had to suck to do that. Yeah. The same with like doing scary things, having to change producers and, you know, like you have to keep, you have to kind of just keep treading and doing different things or you just fall into a weird gray area. Um, I love the title of the record. I am what I'm waiting for. That's mm -hmm. great. It, Cause it really sounds like someone's, you know, it, it's all everything you're, you're describing. Like this is me. I'm comfortable with who I am. It seems like you're, you're making a statement saying like, this is what, who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Let's go. Yeah, it's, it is. It feels good to just like, I don't feel like I need, I feel so content with who I am. I don't feel like it's a really good feeling to feel like I don't, if some major label came up to me and was like, you know, like some turd guy came up to me in his suit and was like you know you could be the next this if you only did this and this and I feel like for in my life I would say could say what do you know nobody knows anything right now right. nobody that is the that is the beauty of the state of the music business yeah. or whatever it is nobody knows what's going on everybody's about to start going into the vision goggles in another year we're all gonna be living inside those yeah, I, know, <laughs> you know? I know i know i know it's it's you know and, and it's it, it is an interesting time in music and and the other thing too is you know you get older right um like i've got i've got kids that kind of keep me keep me up to date on what's going on like and I, I like to keep my ear to the ground but i've got my daughter's really into music and she's really into discovering new stuff she's really into going to see shows like i guess she's got that from me um and we see a lot of stuff together she turned me on to boy genius a year ago, year and a half ago, um, she was really into Phoebe Bridgers and then all the, and, and Lucy Dacus and all these other artists. Um, and when the three of them and Julian Baker, when the three of them formed Boy Genius, the only show they were playing in Canada was in Toronto. So we drove to it. And I remember feeling so fortunate that I'd seen that show because there was something special about it. It was mm -hmm. the biggest crowd they had played to yet. Um, and it was in, it was in Canada. They played to like 22,000 people and it was nuts. And then last night four Grammys. You know, three Grammys mm -hmm. for them and, and a fourth one for Phoebe Bridges on her own. And all I had all day today were all the old gatekeeper dudes saying, this isn't rock. Who is this band? They're not. Why are they winning rock album of the year? There's so many rock bands that are more deserving of it. Why did Queens of the Stone Age not win it? Like, I love Queens of the Stone Age. I love them. Yeah. But Boy Genius are fucking healthy for rock and roll because they're kids that are playing instruments that not only are, you know, writing their own songs, playing instruments, playing acoustic instruments, you know, their entire band are playing instruments and they're all girls. 
And mm-hmm. there's an entire crowd that, you know, anywhere aged from 12 to 20 that are girls, young people that are watching them and they're saying, I want to do that. That's yeah. the healthiest, that's the healthiest thing for me as, as a, as a, you know, as a former rock musician to me saying that this band isn't rock and roll. This is everything that rock and roll is. It's your duty. I feel like it's so important to to inspire people. Yes. Whether it's to like inspire people like on a spiritual level, like in I don't mean spiritual as in like dear lord, but I mean like your spirit, like to inspire people to just want to feel better, do better, to be in touch with like your human nature, to inspire people to want to do something different. Like it's I think music is just, man, it's such an incredible, special thing. And so, yeah, to to be inspiring the younger generation, we have to remember that the younger generation is going to be changing our diapers. Yeah. <laughs> we need some, we need a younger generation that like is like stoked and grateful and not like, what is this miserable place? We will, we need an, a generation that's like inspired to like, you know, do the thing. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, okay. Lastly, I want to ask you a bit about the karaoke thing you were doing with your, uh, <laughs> with your bedazzled microphone. Um, that, that there were many, I think it was, I don't know if you were doing it on Wednesdays or what, but you were doing it regularly and you were doing it when people were shut in and you were going live and you were singing songs. Um, and I remember tuning in a few times and it was just awesome. Where did you get the idea to do that? Was it out of boredom? Was it out of, um, or was it out of just like, hey, let's try to put a smile on people's faces? It was out of anxiety. Like, okay. it started during COVID. I yes. think this might have even been before you started tuning in. It started in COVID. I was yep. like having a meltdown like the rest of the world right. because I didn't, you know, have control over anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so to get myself out of the anxiety was to do something outside of myself to help people. Right. So I had these like karaoke microphones and I realized that they were Bluetooth. So I could Bluetooth them to YouTube karaoke channels. And yeah, I did it every single night for two months straight. That's what, okay. So I remember you, it was like, I would get the alert that, you know, Kendra's gone is going live and I would always tune in for it. Yeah. It was every single, and it was, it like saved me because suddenly like I didn't have anxiety. I had a purpose again. And then from that I stopped because like COVID opened things up and then I started doing it weekly. So then I was doing it still for like the last two years. I've been doing it like whenever I could, if I'm not on tour and now actually I'm doing it again but I'm doing it on another platform. I moved okay. it and I gave it a new name. It's called Night Starter. Okay. And I do it um, on this platform called Earth's Alive. So it's like I'm using, it's a totally separate because I was able to, Instagram doesn't have like, you can't do the good sound. I, I got like nice equipment. Okay. So it's like proper sound. And now I'm actually doing it this Wednesday, but I do it. I'm going to not do it for the next month because I'll be touring. Yeah. But I just moved it over there and like, I'm building it. Like it's my own public access channel. Right. So (laughs) it's still there. I just, I just moved it off of Instagram so it could have its own. So whenever you see like the weird, like eighties promos come up on my Instagram, those are for night starter. So so see how this thing comes about from one foot in front of the other one dot connecting to the next dot. And then, you know, and then you're stepping it up and you're getting better equipment and that, you know, the, 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 the Bluetooth bedazzled mic gets put off to the side, but the, the spirit's still there, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's, what's important. Um, and this, it all comes back to what I said at the beginning, you know, there's something about you as an artist that's inspiring, that's authentic. And, you know, it, it, it just, it's infectious and it grabbed me from the beginning, you know, even before I met you. And then when I met you, it just, it put it over the top. And when I started listening to the music, the more and more I would listen to it, the more I was like, I really like what this person's doing. So thank you for spending time with us. Um, I Thanks, appreciate Jason. it. Tell me a bit about the tour. Cause you, you mentioned you're going out on the road. Um, and it looks like you're going to be, it's, it looks like you're going to be gone for a little bit, right? Yeah. Three weeks. So right. I was gone most of this last fall, but this one's all West coast. Right. So it starts up in, um, it starts up in 
Portland and then makes its way down the California coast with San Francisco, LA, and then inland to like Denver and Boise and then back up and ends uh, near Seattle. So it's about 15 shows all together. Just kind of getting all the gears. Like I realized I had this like major like thought with the new year because one of my big goal is time management was my, (laughs) isn't it everybody's. (laughs) But then I was like, how do I like time management? Then I realized because like so many people, I was just saying like, so, so many times you hear someone say, Oh, you like, I've gotten the slap on the wrist of like, you're doing too many things or you're all over the place. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, actually I'm going to funnel it all in. Like, why can't all my things that are up here go like this? Right. So there's my time management right there. My live stream, I practice on my live stream besides my like karaoke covers. It's like sometimes I'm doing like some a new song I'm working out, working that out there in front of an audience or talking about the tours, the tours, you're trying new stuff. You do the live stream. There's so many there's you just funnel it all. And that was my big like eye-opening thing is like also when I'm doing like my stop motion animation, finding ways to tie that in. Like you make it all, you can do as many thing, things as you want. Like find your stream and let it all flow together, you know? So that was like, I was excited when I figured that out this year. I'm still <laughs> working on it, <laughs> but it's kind of like, it's making sense, you know? I love it. Um, Kendra, thanks for taking the time to chat. Um, Thanks, Jason. Continued success, and uh, let's keep let's keep uh, us uh, you know keep us updated and keep me updated, and um, and I hope to see you again soon. I hope you do make it to Canada, and it'll be great to see you live again. Yeah, I would love that. You'll see me on guitar. Yes, <laughs> all the best. Thanks again. Thanks, Jason. Have a good night. You know that was another longer one of our interviews, Ben. And as an editor, sometimes I. Sometimes I approach these things with, oh boy, is this going to take forever? But then you get these interviews that are just full of, you know, you never want them to end and they feel natural and they don't feel forced. And it's just kind of like, you you can't say cut when it's going well. Like you you just can't. And that's something in the podcast game where it's like, sometimes people even break up longer interviews into two, three parts. Some podcasts I listen to are like four hours long. Sometimes you just like the long form entertainment. And this is a great example of why this medium needs to exist. Conan O'Brien has a great podcast called Conan O'Brien needs a friend because he makes the comment that all the celebrities that come on the show, it's so brief that he never actually becomes friends with anybody. And now he has a chance to speak to people for like up to 40 minutes. And it's comparison to the four and a half minutes of live airtime. Yeah. To 40 minute. This is the great thing about podcasts and people being able to speak about niche things and the things you're into. Like, I'm glad this medium has existed for so long and that we can have these conversations because you are a prime example of, I wish I could talk to them longer. You yeah. know, you've been doing interviews for years and now you finally can. Like, if this was for any other outlet, they would have cut you off at. Oh, maybe- Listen, yeah. I mean, listen, it's, I, I am, I, I have not been, I have not been with a traditional uh, media outlet for, um, well, not a year yet, but I'm officially off the clock now, so I can say it. Mm. Um, you know, when you work for the big, the big guys, they, they, they format you and they want you to speak for three minutes or six minutes. And you got a program director who says, listen, um, th- this interview is seven minutes long. And? Well, we need it for about four. And it's like, well, is that you talking or is that the audience talking? So, mm-hmm. This is a great format where we can actually really dig deep. And Kendra's a great example. I hope we were able to shine some light on on her because she's a great singer. So go check her out. Kendra Morris, uh, her new album is, uh, and, and I love the title of this record, Ryan, because it is, we talk about it in the interview. I am what I'm waiting for. I am what I'm waiting for. And that to me says so much about her, where, where she's at. Like she is comfortable in who she is as an artist and it comes through when you talk to her and dude her music is phenomenal so go check her out kendra morris you can get more information at kendra morris and uh, she is hitting the road as of february 27th she is uh touring the west coast and um, she's doing a bunch of dates and i do believe she's going to be heading the east coast as well in the next part of 2024 so uh keep her on the old radar oh wait no i want to i want to make a clever segue 
Sure. You know what? Something about her music, her music is a lot of things, but you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't suck. And neither does Heartbeat Hot Sauce. <laughs> the heartbeat of the Rockman Power Hour. Check them out at heartbeathotsauce.com and use our promo code ROCKMAN20 to get 20% off your entire order. Ryan, thank you so much for hanging out with me, man. It's been fun. Um, yeah. We'll see you next time on the Rockman Power Hour. Uh, thanks to Ryan Kajerski and uh, thanks to uh, Julia Stick. Ryan Kajerski. And, and Julia Stick. <laughs> thank, you to my, thank you to my producer, Julia Kajerski. Thank you to my co-host, Ryan Stick. Thanks to Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Thank you to Studio House Designs. And thanks to all of you for joining us on this journey. And until next time, we'll see you on the Rockman Power Hour.